Well, welcome again. So glad that you are here. Um, how many of you started school this week? Raise your hand. How many of you start school tomorrow? Yeah, I got a couple in here that start tomorrow. Most people have already started. I know that you had a blessed um, first week of school, and you will have a blessed um, second week. And for those that start tomorrow, I know that you're excited about that. Not really. Mom and dad are excited, but probably you're not excited. You know, over the course of the summer, as, we, as I shared earlier, we have been walking through our David sermon series. We have looked at um, this man who God had declared as being a man after his own heart. We have seen the good and the bad and the ugly that come with the life of David. What we're going to get a glimpse of this morning is, is a good moment in David's life. We're going to see David pass on some godly advice to his son Solomon. Here's what I want you to say with me right now. Pass it on. You ready? Pass it on. Say it again. Pass it on. That's what all of us that are believers in this room have been commanded to do. We have been commanded by God to pass on that which we have been entrusted with, and that is God's Word. And that's exactly what we're going to see David do this morning. We're going to see him live, leave behind some godly advice to his son. So this message is a message that, that obviously was shared with Solomon, but the words that were shared with Solomon are applicable to each and every one of us in this room this morning. So our message point this morning is this, leave behind a godly legacy. Leave behind a godly legacy. I think that is all of our desire, isn't it? Don't we all want to leave behind more than just money and possessions? Don't we want to be remembered as men and women who walked with the Lord and instructed our children and those that we have influence over to leave behind a godly legacy? We want them to walk with the Lord so that they too can leave behind a God a legacy. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 together. First Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. These are the words that we read. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their ways to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart, with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Notice what David did not do here. He did not instruct his son to take more land or to accumulate more gold and silver. He did not tell him to annihilate everyone in the land. He told him to keep the law of the Lord. 
what David is doing is he is making sure that Solomon understands what is most important in life. It is not property. It is not possessions. It is not power. It is a growing relationship with the God of the universe. It is having a relationship with the Lord that is on full display for all the world to see. In 1555, there were two men, one named Hugh Latimer and the other Nicholas Ridley. They walked out of prison for the last time. They both were condemned to be burned at the stake for refusing to recant the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As they approached the stake, Latimer uttered these unforgettable words to his good friend. He said, Be of good cheer, Ridley. Play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace as I trust shall never be put out. This man said, play the man. Where do you think he learned those words? From King David. Where King David said, be the man. Notice our first point this morning. It is this, David's plea. In verse 1 and 2 again, we see when David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. David recognizes that his time has come. He recognizes that he is about to close his eyes for the final time on this side of eternity. That is a reality that every single one of us in this room are faced with. One day, all of us will do that. A couple of years ago, there was a gentleman 96-year-old gentleman that visited this church. His name was Frank. Um, many of you remember him. Um, Frank was this little, frail old man. I mean, he was a little man. And when he came into this place for the first time, we had the opportunity to meet his two caregivers. And, and I remember a couple of things that, that they had shared. Number one was that Frank didn't know the Lord, and he was an agnostic. Um, I remember them saying that he was, he, he was the nicest man in the world, but, but some of the things that came out of his mouth were not the most, unho- most wholesome things that a person could say. And so as a church, we began to pray for Frank. I know that we had men's groups, ladies' groups. Our prayer team was praying for him, and we were walking with, with, with him and walking with those that brought him. And soon after coming, I remember Frank coming to the front of this church and sitting right there on that front pew and giving his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. This week, Frank closed his eyes for the final time and went to be with the Lord. You know, the reality is this, just like David closed his eyes and just like Frank closed his eyes, all of us one day will also close our eyes. Did they fear death? Probably not. David, I'm pretty certain, didn't fear death. David knew where he was going. And today, um, I'm going to have the opportunity to share um, a few words at, at Frank's memorial service. And, and one of the passages that I'm going to read comes from Psalm, um, the book of Psalms, one that David wrote in the 23rd Psalm. This is a psalm that all of us are familiar with. Um, we've heard it shared at funerals, or, or we've memorized it, or we've shared it with other people. But these are such encouraging words from David. He wrote these words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I, will sh- and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knew where he was going when he closed his eyes for the final time. And I pray that you know for certain where you are going to go when you close your eyes for the final time on this side of eternity as well. If you don't know, this morning I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And I pray that this day, if you don't know Jesus, you'll do that very thing. You'll repent of your sins and you'll make a commitment to follow after Jesus, just as David had done, just as Frank had done, just as Solomon had done. Before David's death, he shared with his son some great advice. I think all of us in this room, we've all been given good advice, and we've all been given bad advice. Would you agree with that? How many of you have ever been given just horrible advice in your life? All of us have, right? How many of you have ever given poor advice to somebody else? Probably all of us have, right? Um, this, this past Friday night... Um, we, we celebrated Caitlin's 15th birthday a couple of weeks late, but she wanted to go to the drive-in. Um, and yes, there are still drive-ins around, if you didn't know that. There's one in Ennis, and there's one in Fort Worth. And so we loaded up um, six girls in our car, and we drove to Ennis. And we got out there a little bit early. And, and I remember as we were, we were sitting there, there was a family to our right, and there was a family to our left. And the family to our right, they had some kids. And these kids were running around, and they were playing, and they were goofing around, kind of like our girls were doing. Um, but I remember one of these boys, he comes back, and, and we could hear pretty much all of their conversation. And the little boy comes up to his dad, and he said, Dad, I found a hole over there. And this is what this dad said. Stick your hand in it and see if there's a snake in there. I kid you not. I turned to Danny and I said, that right there is going to preach on Sunday. Um, I said, we're talking about being a man and, and giving godly advice, and that is not good advice, okay? If your dad or your mom or your friend or your enemy ever tells you to stick your hand in a hole, don't do it, okay? And then um, during that first movie, um, there was a family that was to our left. And there was a, a Grace, one of the girls that were with us, um, she, she looked over along the tree line and she said, I see something black moving over there. And I said, it's probably a bear. And obviously, we don't have bears in Texas, but um, I didn't see it. Danny saw something moving, but the family beside us, they saw something moving over there. And so I kid you not, the dad let his little son go over with a flashlight to see what that black thing was moving over there in the tree line. Okay, it's probably a skunk or something. Who lets their kid do that? It's messed up is what it was. Well, David doesn't give his son messed up advice here. He gives him good, critical, sound advice. These words are spoken from a man with experience. Okay? Experience walking with the Lord as well as experience running from the Lord. And we, we know that David did both of things, those things, didn't he? So notice first, David tells his son here, he says, be strong. 
Scripture does not give us any indication to the age of Solomon, but, but most theologians believe he was around 19 or 20 years old whenever he is appointed to be the next king of Israel. You know, we may not know his age, but we can be pretty certain that unlike his father, Solomon probably lived a pretty sheltered life. Okay, they, um, Solomon was, was of royalty, and so he probably never... Um, never um, defeated lions and bears or, or warded off robbers or foxes like his dad did. Probably lived pretty sheltered. David and his mom and those in the kingdom probably kept him from those things. Well, now David, um, Solomon is about to become king. And so David turns to him and he tells him to be strong. Why would he tell him to be strong? Probably because Solomon demonstrated some timidity. And I don't know about you, but if I was about to become king at the age of 19 or 20, maybe a little younger, maybe a little bit older, even if I was going to become king at the age of 46, there might be a little timidity. There might be a little trepidation and fear that, that would be um, kind of sweeping throughout my body. Think about Solomon. Solomon is about to be entrusted with all of the men, women, students, and children of the land. He is about to become the military leader in charge of thousands upon thousands of men and their family. He has been charged with the task of, of building a temple for the Lord, a permanent dwelling place for the God of the universe. As a king, everything would be on his shoulders. Everything would have to go through him. No pressure, right? Probably quite a bit of pressure. So there's a good reason that David told Solomon, be strong. In Deuteronomy 31.6, we read these words, and I think that these are the kind of words that David shared with his son. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Those are some good words for us to hear, and those are good words for us to share. Be strong and courageous. All of us, all of the days of our lives, let's commit to be strong and courageous. Notice next, David tells his son to, to, to show yourself a man. So be a man. In verse 2, we read, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. Some of your translations um, may say something a little bit different than show yourself a man. The New International Version says, act like a man. New Living Translation says, be a man. New King James Version says, prove yourself a man. The Holman Christian Standard Translation says, be courageous like a man. And the message says, show what you're made of. That's what David is wanting his son Solomon to do here. He is wanting him to show himself to show others what he is made of. In Malachi chapter 6, verse 8, we read, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? That is what every man and this woman has been set apart to do. Tony Evans um, wrote a book called Kingdom Man, preached a sermon called Kingdom Man. And in that book, he wrote these words. He said, a kingdom man is the kind of man that when his feet hit the floor each morning, the devil says, oh crud, he's up. 
When a man of God or a woman of God rises, the world takes notice. And not only does the world take notice, but the devil of hell takes notice as well. David wants his son Solomon to be that kind of a man. A man that the world takes notice of. Not because of his military strength or his wisdom, but because of his faithfulness in the Lord. With every man and woman in this room, there came a time in our lives where that kind of light switch was flipped on. We went from being boys and girls to being men and women. Do you remember when that happened to you? You know, some of you may be young men or young women in this room. And, and, and you may still be acting like a little girl or a little boy and relying upon others and trusting in others to do the job for you. But there comes a time in our lives where that little light switch needs to go off. And we begin to own up to the responsibility that we have been given the responsibility that we have been given as God's children, the responsibility that we've been given by, by our families and our parents and our bosses and those that, 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 that rely upon us and count upon us. David is telling his son that the time has come for him to stop relying upon others and start being the man that others rely upon. People rely upon us every single day, don't they? They rely upon us and they depend upon us and we have influence over them. There's good influence and there's bad influence. Let's be men and women that provide good influence for those that God entrusts us with. Notice our next point here. It's this, David's charge. In verse 3 we read, And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. So David tells his son here, keep the charge. This word charge in the Hebrew, it, it, it carries with it the meaning um, of, of, of like a last will and testament. So what David is doing here is he's closing up this chapter with his son. He is basically giving his son a last will and testament, giving his son essentially an inheritance. And this inheritance that he's given his son is not money and possessions and power, is it? It is, it is the word of God and the importance of taking that word and applying it to his life. Um, I read an article that was written back in 2008, but it's a true story about a college kid from Germany. And, and his name was Sergei. Um, good German name, Sergei. Um, and, and this young man was in college, and he, he earned $240 a month. And that is what he used to put himself through college, pay rent, and to put food on his table. Not a lot to live on. Well, one day he received a knock on his door. And on the other side of that door, there was this man that was dressed in a suit and he was carrying a briefcase with him. And, and Sergey um, invited him in the house and, and these two men sat across from each other. And this lawyer said, um, I've got some really bad news for you. Your uncle has passed away. And Sergey was kind of like, okay, um, I've met my uncle once and that was when I was a young kid. And, and this lawyer said, you made such an impact on your uncle 
that, that he has left for you his entire inheritance of $975 million. This college kid went from having probably nothing in the bank to all of a sudden having a billion dollars in the bank. That's a pretty impressive inheritance, isn't it? This story tells us two things, okay? Um, thing number one, is Brindley in here? Brindley, be nice to your uncles, okay? Because you never know when one of them might be a billionaire, all right? And number two, it tells us this, that if a person can receive an earthly inheritance of almost a billion dollars, what do you think God's child is going to receive when we take our final breath on this side of eternity and we have the opportunity to dwell in the presence of the Lord for all of eternity? God promises us an inheritance. And what David is doing with this son here is he is telling him that if you um, really pay close attention to the words that I'm sharing with you, you're going to get the kind of inheritance that outlives you, the kind of inheritance that you are going to be able to, to live with for all of eternity in the very presence of God Almighty. So David charges Solomon to, first of all, to walk in his ways. You and I will never become the people God intended us to be apart from walking in his ways. David is speaking to his son as a man who has had to learn the hard way. David is saying, take it from me, son. I know this. I know what it means to walk with the Lord, and I know what it means to run from the Lord. I think all of us in this room probably can relate to that, right? We all can relate to what it's like to walk intimately with the Lord and what it's like to turn our back from the Lord. How many of you are Ranger fans in here? Texas Rangers, I'm not talking about that hockey Ranger team. But a lot of us in this room are Ranger fans. How many of you remember a gentleman by the name of Josh Hamilton? Okay, Josh Hamilton's probably one of the greatest Texas Rangers that uh, has ever played. Okay, Josh Hamilton, whenever he came to the Rangers, he had a whole lot of baggage, didn't he? Um, he was a phenomenal number one draft pick that was on his way probably to potentially be the best baseball player or one of the best baseball players ever. But he got involved in drugs and alcohol. Um, last night, he was inducted into the Texas Ranger Hall of Fame. Some of you may have um, watched the game last night and saw that. And um, I've had the opportunity to see some other Rangers inducted into the Hall of Fame. I've seen some football players and baseball players inducted into the Hall of Fame. But I've never seen any person that was given such a platform share what Josh Hamilton shared yesterday. He probably took almost 20 minutes to share his testimony. He shared the good, he shared the bad, he shared the ugly, and he shared what God had done in his life. He shared basically when I walked with the Lord, when I was a Texas Ranger, man, all was good. But whenever I took my eyes off of the Lord, that's whenever I began to make mistakes. And he read scripture after scripture and shared his testimony with all of those fans that were in that stadium and all the fans that were watching on TV. And here's the thing that we can learn from, from David, from, from Josh, and from other people like that. We can learn from their past mistakes, right? David made some mistakes. And, David wanted, and, and Solomon knew about the mistakes that he had made. He, he knew every one of those mistakes probably 
and the consequences that came with those mistakes. And so David is trying to shield his son, protect his son, and warn his son that, hey, if you want to be saved from the past mistakes that I've made, then do this. First, walk in his ways. He also tells him um, to keep his statutes, to keep his commandments, to keep his rules. Basically what David is saying is keep the law of the Lord. Keep the, the, the law close to you and apply it to your life. And then we also read, he says, keep his testimonies. To keep the testimonies of the Lord is to keep those things that the Lord has revealed to us through his word, revealed through, to us through personal life experiences, revealed to us from by other people. He's saying to keep those testimonies and to keep those testimonies close to your heart. Remember them. Celebrate them. Early on in our David sermon series, we looked at the story of David and Goliath. Do you remember after David slayed Goliath? Do you remember what he did? Um, he took um, David's sword and he took David's armor. And we're told in the scripture that he placed those things in his tent. Why did he do that? He did that to remind him of how God used him to slay that giant. And David would be able to take that stuff with him all of the days of his life. Those were testimonies of God's goodness in his life. All of us in this room have testimonies of God's goodness in our lives. And we need to keep those things close to our hearts and remember them and, 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 and celebrate them. You and I experience victories in our lives that can only be explained as but God victories. Think to yourself for a moment, what are some but God victories that you have had in your life? And think back on, on, on your life and just think about those sayings where you can just say, man, that was a God moment. That was a God moment. Don't forget those sayings. Celebrate those. Celebrate the testimonies of the Lord is what, is what David is telling Solomon. Man, keep his testimonies. Keep what God has done in your life and, and make that something you celebrate all the days of your life. David is telling Solomon that if he walks in the ways of the Lord and keeps the law of the Lord and obeys the commands of the Lord, then he would have much to celebrate, much to hold on to. And in the 19th um, chapter of Psalm, we read these words. David penned these words and he said, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings off the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. There is great reward when you and I keep the laws of the Lord. When we take God's word and we hide it in our hearts and we make it applicable within our lives. So the third thing that we see here is that very thing, God's reward. And we read again in chapter 3, we'll start in the, the latter part of that verse. It says, as, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. 
that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their ways, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. David knew what it was like to walk independently of the Lord. His past mistakes were reminders for himself and should be, have been reminders for Solomon. And they should be reminders for us that when we operate independently from the law of the Lord, there are consequences. Notice, though, the reward for Solomon and his family, an everlasting throne. I mean, think about that. David tells his son here, hey, if you walk in the ways of the Lord, there will never not be someone sitting on the throne in Israel and ruling over the people of Israel and representing God before the people of Israel. That's a pretty good reward, isn't it? Knowing that you're going to pass on such an inheritance to your child. In order, though, to receive that reward, it would require from Solomon a life of faithfulness, a life that was yielded to the Lord. And here's what we know about Solomon. Solomon started out of the gate really fast. Man, he walked with the Lord. He did the, represented the Lord, served the Lord, and the people celebrated the Lord and all of the victories that came with a life yielded to the Lord. In fact, we read in 1 Kings 3, 3 through 5, these are, just, just listen to these words. Um, they're up on the screen also, but it says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. This man of God has a dream. God appears to him in that dream. And the Lord says, ask me whatever you want. You know what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom. He wanted wisdom. He needed wisdom, he thought, in order to, in order to um, lead the people of Israel. And so he says, Lord, I want wisdom. And the Lord gave him wisdom. You know what the Lord also gave him? Gave him riches and power and things and stuff. Because he didn't ask for those to begin with and ask for wisdom, he got both. Man, this man walked with the Lord. But here's the sad reality about Solomon. Solomon would not always walk with the Lord. In fact, toward um, the end of his life, we read this about Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 3 through 4, we read these words. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Okay? 700 wives. 300 concubines. That's just beyond messed up, isn't it? 
So David, or Solomon went from this man that was walking with the Lord to allowing himself to get immersed in the things of this world. He began to listen to the foreign wives that he had accumulated, and he began to chase after their gods. And you know what the consequences of that would be? It would be a divided kingdom. It would be um, the lack of God's blessings upon him and the nation of Israel and the people of God. Someone wrote that Solomon was the wisest fool to ever live. Solomon had everything he needed to become a mighty man of God, just as each and every one of us in this room do. We all have everything we need to become mighty men and mighty women of the Lord. All of us have what we need. What is it going to take in order for us to become the men and women that God has set us apart to be? Simple. Walk in his ways. I know that's easier said than done. But God's word makes it clear that if we walk in his ways, we will experience the presence of the Lord all the days of our lives. Walk in his ways. Don't run from him. Don't don't try to live independently of him, but walk in his ways. Let us take the challenge given to us by the Lord this morning and apply what the Lord spoke to Solomon to our lives. Let us be strong. Let us be men and women of God. Let us walk in the ways of the Lord. Let us keep the commands of the Lord. Let us celebrate the victories of the Lord. And let us live faithfully unto the Lord. One writer sums up this passage this way. He says, to show yourself a man, you must grow yourself in God. Or another way to say this is this. You will not show yourself a man or a woman of God until you grow yourself in God what all of us have been commanded to do and set apart to do, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What does it take in order to do that? It takes reading this Word, studying this Word, memorizing this Word, and applying this Word within our lives. May all of us seek to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, every day. Let us be loving leaders. Let us be wise warriors. Let us be transformative teachers. And let us be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And as much as anything, let us do just as David did and pass on God's word. Let us pass it on to those that God has entrusted with. Pass it on to our children. Pass it on to our grandchildren. Pass it on to our employees, our employers, to our classmates, to to our neighbors, to our friends. Let's pass it on. Say that again with me. Pass it on. One more time. Pass it on. David passed on God's word to Solomon. May we pass on God's word to other people. You know, we have a responsibility as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to do two things. We have a responsibility to disciple people, and we have a responsibility to to evangelize, to share the good news of salvation with those that we come in contact with, to fulfill the great commission. We get to do both of those. Let's do both. Let's be stewards of God's word as we pass on his word 
through discipleship and as we pass on his word through evangelism. You may be here this morning and you may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. You don't have the same assurance that King David did. You don't have the same assurance that, that, that Frank had knowing that he had trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have those assurances. But this morning you can know without a shadow of a doubt where you're going to spend eternity because God's Word makes it very, very clear. It makes it clear that if we confess our sins and profess with our mouth that Christ is Lord and Savior and we acknowledge Him as the King of the universe and we submit to His Lordship and to His leadership, God's Word is clear. We shall be saved. So if you have not done that in your life, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. If you don't know Jesus, you come this morning. If you're here this morning, you've been visiting this church a while, and the Lord is leading you to make friendship your church home, then I want to invite you to come as well. You may be here this morning, and, and, and you realize that you haven't been the steward that God would have you to be of his word and you recognize man I need to be sharing God's word more or I need to be discipling more it's not too late to start doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are it's not too late David was on his deathbed and what did David do David continued to instill God's word into the heart of his son and you can do that very same thing let's stand together Um, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer if there's a decision you need to make I want to invite you to come Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to come into your house to worship you. Father, I know this morning, Lord Jesus, that, that Father, I have fallen short when it comes to discipleship and instilling your word into my own children and to those that you've given me influence over, Father. And I pray that you will help me do a better job at that. Father, I pray that I will be more sensitive to your Holy Spirit and take advantage of the opportunities that you have given me. And I pray that for every one of us in this room. I pray all of us will be better stewards of your works, better disciple makers, better evangelists. May we carry your word, Lord Jesus. May it, may it like, like, like we read in Psalm 19, may it drip off of our tongues. May it it be so readily available, Father, that we just naturally share it with other people. Father, this morning, there may be someone here that has yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior, and I pray that today they'll make the greatest decision of their life, and that is to confess you as the Lord and Savior of their life, yield to your Lordship, Father, and repent of their sins. Maybe some here, Lord, that have been visiting this church a while and you're leading them to make friendship their church home, Lord. There may be some that just wherever they're at this morning need to just pray. I don't know what decision needs to be made, but I know you do. Lord, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.